You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Well, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to recap the uh, World U18s and maybe uh, tie it in with a uh, at, with the NHL draft and uh, look at some of the players that were uh, eligible for this year's NHL draft that were standouts in the tournament. Maybe some guys who left people wanting a little bit more, and to uh, give us his perspective. Uh, a good friend of the uh, Pipeline show going back a number of years, Ross McLean. I guess we can call you an unrestricted free agent when it comes to scouting, uh, Ross. But welcome back to the Pipeline show. How are you? I'm back. It's great to be back. Well, it's great to have you once again. Uh, you were in Sweden. Uh, let's talk about that tournament. And uh, maybe we'll start with the U.S. because the, the World U18s is traditionally dominated by the U.S. national development team. It's their Stanley Cup. They've played two years together to get to this point and win this tournament. They didn't. They come away with a medal, but not the color that they wanted. A number of players had terrific tournaments, though. Overall, would you say this was a disappointing finish for the U.S., or are there still a lot of positives to take from it? Uh, Obviously, it would be disappointing for them. I think from everybody else, it's probably more shocking than anything. Um, Has to be probably one of the biggest gaps in terms of skill between teams that I can remember seeing at this event um, that didn't play in the gold medal game. Uh, obviously, in a short-term competition, anything can happen, and I think some of these guys learn that lesson. And uh, the other lesson that you usually learn in a short-term competition that when teams like that lose, it's usually a really hot goaltender in, in a game that that, uh, that burns them. And I think we saw that with Yaroslav Askarov uh, in that semifinal game. So uh, certainly, it was a really, really exciting team to watch. The scouts were all over them. There's a ton of talent there, a ton of long-term uh, prospects there as well, and then obviously the high-end talent that that uh, pushed their pace the entire time. Cole Caulfield named uh, the tournament MVP. What a, a tournament he had, 14 goals in uh, just seven games, uh, finished second in tournament scoring a couple behind Jack Hughes. Maybe we will start with him. And if if the, the question is who raised their stock the most, uh, might it be Cole Caulfield with his performance? No question. No question at all. I mean, obviously the only knock on this guy is that he's a little bit shorter. Um, I don't like calling him a small player because he's he's got a pretty good build to him, uh, and he doesn't play a small player's game. Uh, he, he goes to the areas. He knows how to score. He beats guys one-on-one. He wins battles. Uh, he definitely uh, Im- impressed the most uh, and stood out the most uh, throughout the tournament. As talented as Jack Hughes is uh, as the playmaker, uh, the, the way Cole Caulfield was able to finish plays and score goals um, is unbelievably impressive and, and so valuable at the next level. Uh, so certainly uh, not just impressive at this particular level, but I think turned a lot of heads of NHL scouts and really raised his stock uh, and probably quieted some of the questions about whether he was a, a smaller player or just a shorter player. And I think he's now, everyone knows he's not uh, a smaller player. He's just he's just a shorter player. But what he can do with the puck, the way he changes his angle of his shot so quickly, so subtly sometimes, uh, is so deceptive uh, and just a pure goal scorer, one of the better pure goal scorers we've seen in the last few drafts. And there's been some guys that have come in the NHL and made an impact pretty quick. So this is a kid that's got some potential to put some numbers on the board at the next level. Similar to like an Alex DeBrinkett type of player? Uh, I think a lot of people give him that comparison. Uh, I like the comparison with Cam Atkinson maybe a little bit more. Okay. Uh, but certainly there is some of that element of DeBrinkett, obviously in the hands and the hand speed uh, and what he can do. Um, but his shooting mindset uh, and just how he changes the angle, how he executes off the rush, he's got a few different dynamic points that he can release from, um, really reminds me a lot of a guy like Cam, Cam Atkinson. All right, let's go to Jack Hughes then. Uh, led the tournament in scoring with 20 points. And uh, I think most people do expect he's uh, the number one guy. 
uh, in June. Um, any difference for you? Is that the, the way you feel too? Oh, certainly. I don't think that that changes. Um, obviously, there are some guys that are pushing him a little bit more. But when you watch Hughes, and, and it's always the case with the top prospect, when you have that opportunity to go and uh, watch them, usually you get excited first, and then you watch them a few more times, and you start to dissect them. Mm-hmm. And I think you know that always happens. It's always a little bit of a case. And we've seen that with Hughes, but I think he quieted a lot of critics with his play uh, in this event. And certainly, we'll obviously have the opportunity to see him again here um, before the draft, um, if he can get into some games there with the with the US national team in the world championships but uh his speed his skating ability um his ability to drive play from the outside uh is unbelievable and then uh, his vision his playmaking instinct is is absolutely elite and there is nobody that challenges him on that within this draft uh his ability to create speed push the pace of play for for uh, the offensive attack is Outstanding, And I mean, obviously, one of the things that we start to dissect is the fact that those guys put up such good numbers, Caulfield and Hughes, together. Um, we never really get to see them apart and how they execute apart. And, and you always kind of have that wonder about whether one guy or both of the guys actually amplify uh, the other one. But I think, you know, the case with the playmaker, a, a catalyst, the guy that makes things happen, Hughes creates offense from every part of the ice. If he gets a turnover in his own slot, he's down the ice, and it's a dangerous play the second that it touches his stick in his own slot. So his ability to execute off the rush, his ability to set up power plays, his ability to create from the perimeter and zone play uh, is, is the kind of thing that really is easy to project uh, at that next level because uh, it's it's so elite, it's so natural to him, uh, and the speed that he can do it at um, is already NHL caliber. And size not really a concern? I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world either, but uh, you're going to look past that just because of everything else he brings to the table? I think so. Again, you wouldn't necessarily consider him a smaller guy. Um, maybe by, you know, the, the old school standards, he, he would be. Um, but this is a guy he doesn't get pushed around because nobody can catch him. Uh, and his efficiency is so good. He's so strong on his edges that even when guys do get a hold of him physically, he's able to spin off. He gets on his inside edge, his outside edge so quickly. And there's such power and ex- explosivity there that, uh, there's really no, no reason to fear that. He's not the kind of guy that you're going to want in the slot area and in, in the net presence kind of role, trying to trying to win battles. He's the guy that's going to create or be that opportunistic goal scorer. Um, what I really like about him is his ability to execute off the backhand. Guys try and limit uh, his ability to get a shot on his forehand, but he loves his backhand, and it's really good. It might be the best backhand I've seen in a prospect since Pavel Datsuk. Wow. All right. We'll watch for that. Uh, Matthew Boldy is a big power forward, 6'2", and closing in on 200 pounds. I've had him on the show this year and enjoyed that conversation. Uh, and he finished, what, third in tournament scoring. Uh, so I'm assuming uh, he turned some heads too. Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy, even from the uh, rigged get-go of this year, I noticed him in the uh, All-American Prospects game, and he's been one of my favorite guys all year. I've been tracking him all year uh, just because of how well he stood out uh, within that game. But I think he's one of the most dynamic players. Uh, this is a guy that puts up points and doesn't play on the line with uh, Hughes and, and Caulfield. He, he does it himself. Uh, he gets out there on the power play, so obviously uh, he's an impact there. But he's a guy, again, he can kind of do a little bit more. He can take the puck to the net. Uh, he's very good at driving uh, play from the outside. He's very good at getting into the physical battles, uh, but he's very disciplined as well. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about you know how he's kind of a Mark Stone, uh, Matthew Chuck type player, and he does have a lot of those instincts. But I think he's very different. He actually might be a little bit quicker than those guys, maybe gives a little bit uh, up in terms of power and, and rough play. Um, but the discipline aspect of it is is actually quite impressive. 
but this is definitely a guy that someone's getting a steal. Even if he goes third overall, he's a steal at third overall. I think he's arguably my favorite prospect in this draft uh, that uh, not a lot of people seem to be talking about, but looks like he's going to be able to be a, an impact player at the next level. So you would consider Matthew Boldy that high? I Honestly, I wouldn't be upset if, uh, if I'm a fan of a team and you end up taking Matthew Boldy third overall. Wow. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset at all. I don't think there's, there's a lot, uh, a difference between um, him and, and Kako and then him and some of the guys that we've been talking about uh, also that rank in that top five. So, um, no, I really wouldn't be upset if this was a guy. I, I don't think he gives much up, and I think that there's a lot of potential for him to continue to grow because as much as he's already a bit of a power forward, He's still fairly slight for his size. There's still a ton of room to build on his frame. This is going to be a guy that has the opportunity to be an absolute beast. Dylan Cousins, now we'll go to some of the Canadian guys. Power forward as well, had nine points in this tournament. And obviously the the numbers that Canada put up uh, weren't as explosive as as the U.S. squad. But here's another guy who could go anywhere from probably, I don't know, in the top five to top ten anyway if he's not if he's not gone in the in the top ten i'd be surprised put it that way um tell me about dylan cousins in this tournament and what you think of him overall so i thought he had a bit of a slow start to the tournament um and then he he exploded for a big five point game six point game i can't remember what it was but it was a it was a big it was a big game and then from there he seemed to have some confidence seemed to figure out the international game a little bit more and i thought he was very good uh in the playoff round um to, to begin with, I think there was a lot of people looking for more from him. Um, he's not the kind of guy who makes things happen on his own very often. Um, he does look like he's going to be a very good complementary player, but to me, he looks more like a longer-term prospect that if you're drafting him in the high rounds, um, obviously there's going to be uh, some expectations there, but he's going to—he's still got... He's still got some marinating to do. He's still got some stuff to figure out. Um, he stands out because he has very, very explosive feet, very, very explosive hands. But he has the tendency to kind of overhandle the puck at times, turn away from plays when he can actually probably take the puck to the net a little bit quicker and make a little bit more decisive um, plays with the puck. Um, but I thought uh, in this tournament when he started to uh, get to play with Peyton Krebs, things started to kind of change for him a little bit. And uh, that's something that, you know, obviously when you look at the next level, when you can actually put a player with another player that has some skill and that amplifies their own skill set, I think that's something that, that speaks well um, if you're looking, if you're, if you're okay with having a, a complimentary player. And I really feel that that's how he's going to project. He's going to project as a complimentary player, which there's nothing wrong with. You need those guys. They're important. And some of those guys put up big numbers because they fit so well with other guys and they can adapt their games to fit with guys. So um, definitely there's some really, really nice elements of his game that stand out. And he can he can really blow you away right away when you watch him because there's great power, uh, very, very explosive, and his hands are very, very quick. Um, but he hasn't quite figured out how to use all of those things against, I feel, the top-level competition to, to really kind of separate himself uh, and be one of those catalyst-type players. So uh, I agree with you. I think if he falls out of the top 10, um, someone's getting a steal. But I, I, I know there's a lot of people who are talking about him kind of in that three to five range. And I, I don't feel that he's quite necessarily um, in there with how well some of these other guys have developed through the year. You mentioned a slow start in the tournament for him. I wonder, just uh, comparing, I mean, the U.S. team gets to play together for two full years, basically. Is it reasonable to, to look at, at a team like Canada that's all piecemeal thrown together and maybe expect a, a, a slow start? Does that kind of go into consideration? 
Well, I think we see that every year. Um, and it's not just the players, you know, it's the coaching staff as well. Yeah. Uh, the coaching staff has to mesh together and they have different ideas. And, and Hockey Canada does a very good job of getting those guys together in camps beforehand. And they get lots of notice about uh, what they're doing in a camp like this. It's, it's difficult because you've got a few guys on the radar and you have to kind of wait to see what happens and which coaches are going to be available mm-hmm. and then try and put them together. So sometimes uh, that affects the players as well in terms of the chemistry that they can have because you need that chemistry from your coaching staff first to sort of push that into those guys. Then you have your you know exceptional players that are going to amplify the ability of everybody. Those are the ones you really, really want to watch. Uh, so uh, obviously that's, that's certainly an issue, but at the, at, at the expectation for players at this level that have played um, in international events before um, or that have had this experience is that they got to figure that out quick. There's got to be that performance on demand aspect to it. Um, there's got to be that ability to adapt. And, and if you don't see that ability to adapt or it takes a little bit longer, well, that's information. That's very valuable information because it's not an issue with everybody, but with some guys it really is. Well, and Peyton Krebs is one of those players who, uh, quite frankly, going into the top prospect game in Red Deer earlier this year, He'd, he'd yet to wow me to some degree because every time I saw uh, Kootenai come through Edmonton, they didn't, they were terrible and he didn't really have a whole lot of success against the Oil Kings. But at that game, playing with other talented players, he was one of the best guys on the ice. Here, he leads Canada in scoring. So maybe is that sort of an example you're talking about where Peyton Krebs is a player who shows he's got the ability to play with other talented players and uh, sort of uh, gel, come together really quickly. Absolutely. You know, I think the thing with Peyton Krebs, he makes everybody around him better. Um, he thinks the game so well. He's so intelligent. Um, he's got great character to him. Guys love playing with him. They love being around him. Um, and he takes it very, very seriously. And that is, that is something that bounces throughout the whole lineup. Um, so there's no question why he was, you know, named the captain. Uh, but again, you know, I think early in the tournament, Canada did what they could to try, and especially with Suzuki getting injured in the first game, they did what they could to try and put together at least three lines that could create offense for them. Um, and so, you know, he found himself um, playing with Holloway, which is a great story because obviously uh, Holloway's uh, billeting with Krebs' parents while he played in Okotoks this year. Um, so there was that kind of connection. I think everybody was looking for that element of it um but really what happened was when they took him off that line um and put him with cousins it gave uh, cousins that opportunity to pick up his game and then uh with tomasino joining and putting him uh with with holloway uh that created the line there that really had uh, an identity and created and pushed play for for canada so you know that's the great thing about krebs is that he's able to kind of play up and down the lineup um, obviously people talk about him and think about that playmaking effort that, that he can bring and those instincts that he has. Um, but I look at him very much as a, almost a, in the same kind of mold as a Sam Reinhart, Patrice Bergeron type player where he's able to kind of fit into a few different roles and make players around him uh, quite a bit better. Uh, you know, we talk about um, his performance in, in the Western League this year. and he had, a, he had a tall order in terms of um, trying to make Trying to try to bring out some of the talent to some of the guys. There was a lot of times where I watched this year where it really was. It seemed like he had to do everything, um, and that can wear on a guy a little bit, and especially night in, night out in a grueling schedule, especially with the travel that's associated with the Western League. Uh, but he is definitely one of those guys that that amplifies, and you can see it in a tournament like this, where you know even some of his his points were you know those empty net goals. There's a an own goal by the other team. Um, in the in the final there, uh, the semifinal with or sorry quarterfinal with Latvia, uh, and, but he's the kind of guy that finds himself in those positions. That that really when the game's on the line, he's one of the guys that you want his intelligence out there. You want him out there working with the other players because 
he is going to inspire those guys and he's going to raise the level of play and he's also going to be able to amplify their skill set. So there's certainly a lot there. Um, and I definitely believe he's one of the better value picks in the top 10 of the draft. Uh, I've seen a lot of projections that have him kind of in the sort of eight to 12 range. Uh, so, but there's somebody there that's going to get a very, very intelligent player with good character uh, that has that ability to play up and down the lineup and fit into almost every single organization that's out there right now. Ross McLean, a longtime scout, uh, formerly with uh, Hockey Canada for a while as well. Uh, he's back on the Pipeline show. Uh, Alex Newhook is a guy I think everybody had an interest to see what he would do at this level, surrounded by uh, his peers here for the NHL draft after going through the BCHL. Didn't get to play at the Holunka Gretzky Cup uh, last summer. Uh, so what sort of uh, performance did he have? He was outstanding. I thought uh, out of anybody on Canada, uh, he raised his stock the most. Uh, his intelligence uh, offensively, his ability with the puck, uh, there was a real wow factor with his game. Uh, he created a lot, and he, cre- he was really good at winning pucks, um, at, at really trying to push the possession game for Canada, make quick, decisive plays, was dangerous around the net, was just buzzing all over the place. Every game, you, you noticed him. He was somewhere. Uh, he was making things happen, and, and I, w- I was really, really impressed with him. He made his way onto the top power play unit. Uh, the, the touch that he has on the puck, he's able to really kind of put a hard – Hard touch on it at times, but then he's able to soften it and make really good finesse plays as well. Uh, he was a guy coming into it. Um, I think his stock had dropped a little bit, even though he had dominated in the BCHL. Uh, but coming into the year, he was a guy everybody wanted to talk about. And then as we got into kind of World Junior A and so on, I think people were a little disappointed, but there's, there was absolutely nothing to be disappointed about from his performance in this event. Uh, he was absolutely outstanding, and he stood out all the time. So I feel like he did himself some really really big favors uh, come draft day here, and it's definitely moved himself into um, the second half of the first round, I believe. Uh, let's move, go to Alex Turcotte, uh, back to a, a U.S. player, but a guy who uh, missed a lot of time this year, so any uh, any chances people could get their eyes on him was probably a good thing. Uh, he had nine points in this event. You know, Compared to some of the other guys that we've talked about, he's another one that's in that mix for the top 10, maybe top 15. Uh, where does he fall in that mix for you, and, and what did he show you in Sweden? He is one of those guys that people either love him or they really love him. Um, a very, very good two-way player, uh, excellent outside speed, really good protection mechanics, uh, drives possession, uh, does a lot right, does a lot of little things right. Um, I've seen him ranked anywhere from uh, fourth overall to kind of tenth overall. Uh, and he is, I think, going to be the wild card of that first part of the first round. It'll be really interesting to see uh, who who goes after him. Um, I see him very much kind of in that same breath as we talked about Peyton Krebs here earlier, that he has that kind of potential, a lot of a similar mindset for the game, um, really likes the perimeter of the ice and creating from the perimeter of the ice, but he's also a guy just away from the puck. He always seems to be in the right spot when a rebound kicks out somewhere, when a puck bounces off of these pads, he just always seems to know where to be. And that's a, that's a pretty valuable skill. That's really hard to evaluate in guys. But when somebody is just, consistently there all the time you just got to say hey this guy has either some serious puck luck or he really gets the game that well that he really knows where to be and where the puck's going all the time so that's something i think that a lot of times he finds himself in those situations where he's able to be uh, opportunistic and that really stands out Uh, but the skill level for him to create is also there some opportunistic guys are just opportunistic guys they just happen to be those guys that are 
you know, able to put in a, a, a puck that somebody else does all the work, but he has kind of that dynamic ability to do both. So there's definitely some real interest, uh, in his skill set, and it'll be really interesting to see uh, where he ends up here, uh, definitely in the first half of the first round. Now, Bowen Byram, I think, is uh, the top defenseman available this year. I, I haven't heard anybody really suggest otherwise. I'd be surprised if you told me differently. He was not the U18s because he's been lighting up the WHL playoffs uh, since then, still going in the final here with the Vancouver Giants. Of the other defensemen, the guys who were at the U18s, were there two or three guys who who um, uh, made it known that they deserve at least consideration uh, at the high end of the draft this year. Who would those guys be? Uh, absolutely, I, you know, I, I definitely agree with you that uh, Bowen Byram is far and away the most elite defense prospect uh, in this draft. To me, um, he kind of fits in that conversation at third overall, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, especially when you look at the teams uh, in that in that area that have those picks currently, uh, which fit really, really well. Um, in those organizations, um, but the, uh, Philip Broberg is usually a guy that's mentioned kind of in the in the same conversation with him, and maybe the guy that's the closest to him. Uh, there still is a bit of a gap between them, but in terms of a guy that's able to kind of do a little bit of it all, create some scoring, he did really well this tournament and showcased himself well uh, in that sense. Started out a little bit slower, um, but by the end of it, I think everybody was talking about him, uh, and and really was kind of a catalyst in Sweden's success during this event. Uh, his ability and his confidence with the puck to rush it up ice, create zone entries, is phenomenal. Uh, he's a big body, he's strong. He's almost like a power forward playing defense at times. And uh, just his, his his ability to create things from the point uh, is certainly something that obviously uh, scouts look for, that teams really want. Uh, and, and there's still a lot of room for him to, to get stronger, uh, to get better, uh, to get a little bit uh, more explosive laterally, but still very, very strong skill set. The other guy that really kind of stood out in this event uh, in terms of defensemen that I thought raised his stock quite a bit and maybe hushed a few of the conversations um, was Thomas Harley with Canada. I thought Thomas Harley had a great event. Um, he really was the most dynamic defenseman uh, on Canada, and when he was out there, uh, his play with the puck at the line, uh, teams found it really hard to keep him in check. They found it really hard to stop him from walking the line, from creating space, from from making lanes at the point. And when teams are struggling to have that kind of ability at this level, uh, you can tell that a player's got something there. So, you know, I think Thomas Harley really, really, and the points aren't necessarily um, as as wowing as as you think for a guy that's able to do that kind of stuff. But he was really getting a lot of things started for Canada. Um, I think Canada also had a couple of guys. I really love the play of um, Bukujevic and Korczak. They, especially when paired together, uh, they really looked like a, an unbelievable shutdown pair. Uh, both those guys are warriors. They get in lanes really well. They got loaded to nice space. They were really hard to play against around the net, and they, they moved the puck up ice. They both made simple offensive plays. They knew their role. They knew their limitations, and I thought both of them had really, really good uh, events as well, and probably uh, teams looking for strong defensive defensemen with good size, good upper body strength, um, and, and some dynamic skating, some power. Uh, those guys will definitely be, uh, I think, pushing themselves up just from the way that they uh, matched up against some of the better guys during this event. There's another defenseman I wanted to touch on in uh, Vlad Kolyachanok, who played in the uh, OHL with the Flint Firebirds this year. He played for Belarus at the at the U18s, and uh, had five points in five games. Uh, I had somebody this year tell me he's the best Belarusian player, period, and will be the best Belarusian player, period. And I I know it's not a major hockey power in the world, but 
do you buy into the hype? Is is that, did he show you enough there to to be considered uh, you know a top top prospect like that? The hype was real with him. The only reason Belarus had success in this event was because of him. Mm. Uh, he was so dynamic. He looked like a man amongst boys. To be honest, watching it uh, in a lot of the games, he looked like the guy that was the most NHL ready a lot of times. Uh, this physical maturity that he had, uh, he, he was playing every second shift for Belarus, and he never looked like he got tired at all. Uh, dynamic skater, very explosive some great hands, some great offensive instincts, takes care of himself in the own end, does his job. Um, but he, uh, he absolutely was. Uh, and he's definitely a guy that in that, in the breath with the top defenseman in this tournament, um, he really fit. And, you know, if he was playing, if, if his last name wasn't Kolya Shonuk and it was Schneider, uh, you know, this is a guy that we're probably talking about a lot more uh, because he really did. He looked like a man amongst boys there. Uh, he really pushed the pace of play for Belarus and dominated for them. He was a real leader, and I would 100% agree um, with that he may be one of the best Belarusian players we've ever seen uh, that has the opportunity to kind of continue to push forward. But he looks very, very close to NHL ready already, so a very impressive uh, development path for him. Uh the, the CHL top prospects game, he stood out, but yeah. he stood out kind of for looking like maybe he was trying to do a little bit too much. And this one, he looked, this event, he looked very confident, very calm, uh, and was exceptionally smooth. Uh, Ross, I'm going to ask you about some guys who maybe didn't put up big numbers, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that they didn't have good tournaments. Uh, and I, maybe the poster child for that is Vasily Podkolzin, who only had four points. And for a guy who does get a lot of top five attention, probably expecting more production than that from him but did he have a bad tournament i don't think he had a bad tournament by any stretch of the imagination what i saw with him was uh, a certain development uh in terms of things that uh, there were questions about him coming out of juniors coming out of u18s uh he showed some real leadership he showed some real discipline in this event uh still very much a, a pesky pest tenacious type player uh that has offensive potential uh and that's where he kind of fits he's got a little bit of kind of a brad marchand to him but in this event he really actually showcased some real strong discipline and some real good team play. Uh, and that was kind of the knock on him, at least that I had uh, watching him from some of the other events was that he had a little bit of that sort of typical Russian emotion to him. When a lot of these guys, this is not a, a typical Russian group. Uh, this group is very disciplined, uh, high skill, but very gritty. They look more like a, a Finnish team than they do a Russian team. And, you know, with him as the leader of that, um, I think he actually worked on actually playing a role with this team and, and a lot of guys. And we saw that with a couple of guys because they've got, you know, a high end player that, that was really high. I think led the tournament in scoring uh, last year or, or in, in Daniel Gushkin and he played a role as well. So to see those guys kind of buy into that, you can see how they were able to, to beat a team like the U S was they had these star players that were buying into a team game. And we haven't seen that from a Russian group, uh, like full through their lineup in a while. So, and this is, this was the guy that was the captain. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for that adaptation and that development. The skill's still there. It didn't go anywhere. The offensive ability is still there. It didn't go anywhere, but he, he checked himself a little bit to try and play this team game, to try and beat some of these teams that, Russia felt like they might have been outmatched against, and and we saw that they they upset again, arguably probably the the furthest ahead skill gap team I have maybe ever seen in this event. They beat them, and that was on solid goaltending, but it was also on really good character uh, and and team play. And you know you got to say something about the captain who takes a little bit off of his offense to create something like that. We've seen that at the NHL level. There are guys that are high end NHL 
scorers for years and years and years, but it's not until they take a little bit off of that that they find team success. So to have a young kid like this at least appear to have made that decision, um, I think speaks volumes to uh, one of the knocks on him as he went into this event was that, hey, this could be a difficult character to uh, to handle. But, you know, if he's able to do this in an event like that and have some success, th- there's probably some people now that are going to say, okay, you know what, I'm confident I can work with this guy to do it at the NHL level too, and he's going to fit into a lineup very well. How about Jacob Pelche? No goals in the tournament uh, and just two assists. Disappointing? I wouldn't say so. Again, he stood out in every game, um, ended up kind of playing the third-line role, saw a lot of time with um, with uh, Holloway and Tomasino, and I thought they were an exceptional third line. They created a ton of momentum. Every game where Canada seemed to be uh, maybe losing a little bit of steam, that line would come out, and they would grab it back for them. Um, and I thought he was a catalyst for that. Uh, the talent that he has, the skill level, uh, is incredible. He reminded me actually a lot of... Uh, Cole Caulfield, and you, I'd go watch Caulfield one day and watch Pelletier the next day, and you would see a lot of the same similar thought process, the same uh, skill set, the same quickness. Uh, they look very, very similar. And obviously, you know, one guy put in a ton of points and the other guy didn't, but the other guy, I felt, ended up having to play a role while Caulfield was out every second shift on power plays, and they didn't take him off the ice when they were up up big they kept trying to get those guys to score so you know i think pelletier proved that he's a little bit more versatile um at this event and uh i think early in the event he he uh bobbled the pucks quite a bit and missed some chances put a couple off the post but as the tournament went on he kind of found his role and seemed accepting of it and i really like that when we see high-end skill guys come over to these events and are accepting of their role. So um, I think he showed some character. I don't think that he hurt himself at all in terms of uh, displaying his skill. I'm really, really high on this player. I think he's got a really bright future. And uh, I think some of the stuff that he, he showed, uh, especially his play in small areas, uh, was really, really strong in this event and stuff that I hadn't seen from him before. So came in here, showed some new things. Um, obviously, we would have liked to see him put up some more points because usually that's what everyone looks at at the end of this, but mm-hmm. I think the potential is still there. Um, so I was really, really happy with uh, what I saw from him in this event. Well, that's why I asked the question and frame it that way, because points don't always mean that a guy had a bad tournament or played poorly, but uh, uh, without seeing the games, um, that's why I ask. Uh, with Finland, we haven't really talk- touched on anybody from Finland at all. Did they have uh, a-, a performance or two, a-, a couple of guys that, that stood out for them that uh, – um, that caught the attention for scouts for this year? Uh, for this year, uh, there was a few guys that uh, they're watching that were kind of sort of your mid, mid-round mid prospects, uh, maybe maybe a couple second-rounders. Uh, their team was really driven by uh, their underage players. Yeah. Um, they have a couple late birthdays, and they have some O2s, and they were the ones that really, really dominated for that team, and really when the team started to get going were the ones that, that made things happen. Um, the one player, I think, that... Um, everybody wanted to watch the most on their team for this year's draft was uh, was Vili Hainala and uh, defenseman uh, and and he again also I think you know this kid played World Juniors everybody expected that he was going to put up some more points create a little bit more uh, but never really found himself in the opportunities um, to do that to put up a, a bunch of points um, but we did see uh, from him his vision was was apparent uh, he was using really good uh, well placed shots and good subtle deception at the line to create lanes uh, and and push pucks towards the net. He had a lot of plays where uh, he was getting pucks to the net and guys were just just missing at the opportunities so um, I think he played pretty well um, i 
would say that he probably didn't necessarily help or hurt his his draft stock. Um, but you could see uh, some of the the potential there and some of the things that we've liked about him in the past. Um, I thought he was excellent in uh, Ivan Holinka, um, Holinka Kretzky, sorry. And uh, but uh, in this event, uh, he didn't really stand out as much, but was still very very good. Uh, let's look at goaltenders before we uh, wrap it up. Um, and I know Spencer Knight seems to be everybody's favorite to, to be the first goalie taken in the draft, and he did play uh, the most games, I think, for the U.S. in uh, in the tournament, although Cameron Rowe got a couple of uh, games in. Um, is Spencer Knight the best goalie in the draft? He is, and to be honest, he might be the best goalie in the last few drafts. Uh, his composure is outstanding the way he sees the game he is so calm he is so confident and and it doesn't border on you know arrogant or cocky he's he's just very confident in his abilities he does all the right things he's an excellent puck tracker he's got great habits plays the puck very well there's obviously that highlight that kind of made the runs around where he he faked playing the puck and then brought it out in front of his own net as four checker was coming on and when he was the last man back but that's the kind of confidence he is he is cool as a cucumber all the time uh and you can't really fault him for uh, really any any of the bad stuff that happened with the U.S. He his potential is outstanding. Um, I am not a guy, and I have been very vocal in the past about not drafting goaltenders early in the draft. But this is a guy again that if you're taking him in the top ten, um, I think he's got great long term potential. And there are a couple teams that, uh, that in that uh, first little bit that have some goaltending uh, problems uh, in their organization moving forward. But this is a guy I think is going to have a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a heart type, uh, um, a Carter heart type development where he's going to be able to play as a pretty young goaltender um, and, and, and make an impact for a team. Uh, but I also think he's going to be a really valuable chip for any team uh, that maybe wants to trade for an established goaltender uh, to have, in the organization. I think he's one of the best U.S. goaltenders um, that I've seen in a long, long time. So uh, definitely worth the hype. Definitely a guy that uh, is going to go in the first round. And uh, I'm I'm not going to shake my head at it like I usually do when teams take a goal in the first round. Well, I know uh, there are some other good goaltenders available this year that weren't at the U18s. Hunter Jones, Mad Sogard, they they weren't there. Uh, Of the other goaltenders who were at the U18s in Sweden, and are eligible this year, who else stood out? Well, I mean, when you talk about the, the other goaltenders at this event that uh, that that really stood out, I mean, obviously Askarov was probably the, the one, and to me, kind of, I could say almost all the same things that I said about Spencer Knight about him, but we can save that for next year, because right. he's not eligible until next year. Um, a lot of the other goaltenders really kind of struggled to find that consistency. Um, certainly guys had good games. Taylor Gauthier was excellent against Latvia, um, but had some other games where, you know, his emotion and his, and his control were a little bit off. Um, and I think people noticed that, but then the fact that he could come into a game uh, where the pressure was on and, have the performance that he did when the, the team in front of him laid a bit of an egg, um, I think helped him a ton. And I think actually speaks to sort of the level uh, that Taylor Gauthier can play at, uh, that when the games get tough, this is a guy that's just unbelievably invested and competitive. Uh, sometimes that can get away from him in, in, in you know, the regular season-type games. But when you get into the playoff, he was, he was excellent. It was like a different guy when he got into the net and that. And uh, I think he inspired confidence. Um, outside of that... Um, most of the other goaltenders aren't eligible until next year. Uh, you know, the other goaltender that I thought uh, showcased himself uh, quite well um, was 
and actually, sorry, he is, he is available, was uh, Hlavaj from uh, Slovakia. Um, he, was, he was excellent. Uh, the team in front of him uh, was quite weak, but uh, he was making unbelievable save after unbelievable save and kept them uh, into closer games uh, than, than they probably should have been. Uh, as the, their their decor was was a little bit left a little bit to be desired, and uh, he was having to face a lot of two on o's, a lot of backdoor plays, uh, and kept games really tight. I think you put him on other teams. I think um, I think he outplayed the Canadian goalies, and if you have him on Team Canada, um, they probably do a little bit better in the event. I think he outplayed the Swedish goalies. Um, Hugo Almfeld was the other um, kind of big name uh, goalie uh, that was here, and, and he was. He was a little bit inconsistent as well. I think he was good. I think he was better than average, uh, but didn't really do a whole lot to really raise his stock or prove that he's kind of a, a, a next-level um, prospect. So um, goaltending in this event was was quite difficult to evaluate at times because um, there were some good goalies on some bad teams, and then there were some, some average goalies that were made to look pretty good on some good teams. Um, and I really kind of felt that that was sort of the case with with Alfeld. Well, I didn't get around to asking about Trevor Zegers or Jamison Reese or Braden Tracy or Max Chaikovich or Bobby Brink. I mean, there's a lot of guys I wanted to touch on, uh, but we'll save it for another time. Uh, was there somebody else that I should have asked you about or that you're wishing I'd ask you about because he's a bit of a, uh, a sleeper for you or something like that? Somebody that kind of stood out and caught your eye at this event. One of the guys that I really liked at this event, and there was a few really good underagers that I'd like to touch on. But one of the guys that's available for this draft that I'd really like to that I like to touch on was Samuel Poulin for Canada. Uh, this is a guy that every time I watch him shows something. He's got something. There's some power there. Good face-off ability. A very, very good vision. Excellent quick cuts with the puck. Uh, strong, strong possession guy. Good shooter. Highly offensively intelligent, and I think this is a guy mostly played fourth line minutes. Saw some second power play unit time uh, in the event with Canada, but this is a guy that's. I think he's got some great long term potential. Um, he reminds me a little bit, almost at times, he's got a little bit of Patrick Marlowe to him, um, and so I think he's. I think he's going to be a little bit of a sleeper. Every time I've watched him, even um, at the Hockey Canada camps, he's always stood out. He's always been able to do something that uh, kind of wows, that makes you say, "Oh, this is a this is a guy that gets the game. He really really understands it." So there's him, and then the other guy that I really want to talk about was uh, um, Hugo Haas, Martin Hugo Haas from the Czech Republic. I think he was awesome in this event. I loved him at uh, Linka Gretzky, uh, and I think he's a, a, an unheralded player uh, for this draft. Big defenseman, uh, can do a little bit of everything, um, but is highly competitive, good character, stands up for his teammates, dominates his own net front, has a big shot from the point. Um, those are two guys that I think you know not a lot of people talked about coming out of this event, but really really have something to their game that I think, you know, they're going to be players. All right, Martin Hugo Haas from uh, the Czech Republic. We'll keep an eye on him as well. As always, Ross, uh, terrific to catch up once again and uh, definitely expect a call before the uh, NHL draft uh, rolls around for sure, okay? Love it. So happy to be back on the show. That's uh, old friend Ross McLean. He's not old, but uh, we've been friends for uh, a long time. Honestly, must go back to season two of the Pipeline Show, maybe season three. Uh, and he used to, he was living in Calgary. I think he still does. He would drive up uh, to sit in studio with Dino and I as we would do uh, our, um, like our two hour draft preview special and things like that. It was always fantastic when he was uh, available to come and uh, sit in with us. And uh, so it was great to catch up with him once again. All right. From here, we go with three back to back 2019 draft spotlight segments. 
The first will be with a, a WHL or a CHLer. So it will be our CHL Insider uh, segment, uh, which is always brought to you by the store next door. They are out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. It's a charitable organization that uh, employs people with disabilities, and what they do at the store next door is they collect broken hockey sticks and they transform those sticks into pieces of furniture, whether it's things you can put on your wall, like picture frames or uh, uh, clocks or ornamental things, uh, or you can get tables or chairs or benches. Uh, you can get picnic tables. It's just there's so much that they are able to uh, to make out of broken hockey sticks. It's the charitable aspect that I uh, am attracted by. Um, so I, I think it's a heck of a, a thing that they're doing. Uh, for their community and for uh, the, the community that uh, for people who have disabilities in the community. Uh, fantastic. I know the Edmonton Oil Kings are about to or have uh, sent out a, a bunch of broken sticks that they collected uh, during the playoffs. Uh, if you're in the Edmonton area, you can take your broken sticks, clean out your shed, or your garage, uh, and take them to United Sport and Cycle. Uh, they have a collection uh, drop-off area as well, and they'll ship them out uh, to Nova Scotia, so you don't have to worry about the cost. It's a great cause to get behind and highly recommend you check out storenextdoor.ca and check out their catalog and, and you can see for yourself uh, all the things that uh, they have for sale. Maybe we'll get some details on that in uh, the near future. All right, uh, first up, let's uh, flick on the 2019 draft spotlight. Adam Beckman of the Spokane Chiefs, he's up first here on the Pipeline Show. Comes back out to Yamamoto at the point. Goes over to Ellenick right circle. Now Smith at the point. Yamamoto left side shoots and scores! Tyler Yamamoto tees it up and scores! And the Chiefs win it here in overtime! Hi, this is Kyler Yamamoto for the Spokane Chiefs, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. 